Welcome to the preaching podcast from the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church in Bonners Ferry, Idaho. In 1 Timothy 3.15, it says that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Therefore, we believe it is our duty to hold fast and to hold forth the truth, which is the Word of God. We're glad that you're listening and hope that you will be encouraged by what you hear today. chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. After this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me which said come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter and immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Thank you. you. may be seated. What we're focusing on as far as the outline of this, of this chapter goes, we saw in verses 3 through 6 the portrayal of the throne. So the one on the throne, what's going on round about the throne, what's coming out of the throne, what's before the throne, in the midst and round about the throne, and so as we do that, of course, we saw the seven spirits of God uh, there. We see the four and twenty elders, the four beasts are all mentioned in those verses, verses 3 through 6. And then we began to look at the participants around the throne, again, specifically focused in last week uh, on the four and twenty elders who are there. Um, and, and we'll touch on that briefly again. We'll just mention them again as we come to the conclusion of the chapter and what they do, of course, in worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. But... As we focus on the participants, we come to the four beasts. And I uh, look at the four and twenty elders, and it's a little easier to teach and preach to you on the four and twenty elders than the four beasts. When I read of Ezekiel's beasts, um, you get the idea. The Bible says they're cherubims. That's there in Ezekiel chapter 1, uh, verses um, 4 through 14. Ezekiel chapter 10, verses 20 through 22. Uh, the four beasts that are mentioned in Ezekiel are called living creatures there. And uh, there in the book of Ezekiel, they are mentioned as having eyes and wings. They are said to have only four wings in Ezekiel's uh, account. That does not mean there's a contradiction. Uh, it means that his account recorded they had four wings. May I ask something? Does an animal that, or a beast that has six wings, does it have four wings? It does. And so your perspective may be you only see four. I don't know why four in Ezekiel and six 
in Revelation. I'm confident they're the same. And here's why. The four faces are the same. It's the face of a man, it's the face of a lion, the face of an eagle, and the face of a calf or of, a, uh, of an oxen. And so um, we'll say more about those four faces here in just a few minutes. But what you do is you read about this in Ezekiel, and you read about it again in the book of Revelation. And as we read about these beasts, you think of the beast in the book of Daniel. The beasts in the book of Daniel represent governments uh, that rise up in human history. That's not what these represent. Again, the book of Ezekiel refers to these beasts as cherubims or cherubim. They are, they are cherubs around the throne. In essence, these are angelic beings. That's the best we can understand. These are angelic beings. I think this is important to understand. When, in God's order of creation, when it comes to um, power and might, of course, we start in the animal kingdom. Greater than the animal kingdom is man. Greater than man are angels. And greater than angels is God. Amen? And so there's an order to things. Angels, as we know, are not men because you have Gabriel in the book of Daniel, and then you have him talking later to Mary some five, six hundred years later. That doesn't happen with people. <laughs> we don't do that. We don't have a conversation, then five hundred years later have a conversation again. Angelic beings are created, but they are not touched by death like we are. Obviously, many will be cast into hell and so forth, teach an entire different message on angels. But as we compare what's in Revelation to what we find in Ezekiel, and we see that these are the same, Again, and I'll read that here in a little bit, these in Ezekiel are called cherubims, and so that's a form of angel around the throne. Uh, what I think is the emphasis, and this is what, what I believe the Lord has, has pressed upon my heart to emphasize to you tonight. The theme of Revelation 4 is worship, that we are seeing the Lord in His rightful place. He's on the throne. And on that throne, you have around that throne four and twenty elders, but it's not only men who worship Jesus Christ, it's angels as well. You find these beasts who are far greater in ability and capability and power than man responding to the Lord Jesus Christ like we are. Now, let me ask you this. Um, in the world, the greater, the world says, the greater your intelligence and the greater your capability, the less you will be worshiping God. Isn't that what humanism and what worldly philosophy says? The more enlightened you are, the less you need a crutch. The more education and enlightenment you have, the more you'll see that this whole idea of religion is a fairy tale anyway. That it's all trumped up of men either to soothe their consciences, give them something to lean on in hard times, or to control other men. What the supposed most intelligent among us say is if you are truly intelligent and you truly the most capable men in the world. By the way, atheists do believe they're the most capable men in the world. At the root of, of folly is pride, right? And they believe they're the most intellectually capable. That's why they are trying to take over the world because they're convinced they can run it better than anybody else. You'll understand the men, the evil men today who are trying to run the universe reject God. <laughs> they, they do. Uh, principalities and powers. Remember, that's who Satan is in charge of. He, he is running things like that. But what we find is you're going to be hard-pressed to find any being more intelligent than these four beasts. How many of you can see what's going on at all times in every place? You can see in four directions at one time. They could. How many of you can go up, down, east, west, north, south, whichever way you want without having to turn? I want to be over there. I just go. 
They are not limited like we are. What you have is the characteristics of the greatest of the animal kingdom are attributed to these beasts. So what we have is God showing us how mighty these beasts are, and yet you know what they're doing? They're worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. May I say this tonight? It is not the intellectual who refuse to worship God. It's fools who don't worship God. Psalm 14, 1, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. It takes a fool not to believe in God. It takes a fool not to worship God. It, may I say this? When you find your interest in God waning, know that your folly is increasing. When your interest in the things of the Lord Jesus Christ and your interest in the things that are spiritual and eternal begins to wane, your folly is increasing. That's the way that works. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So when we start looking at things from heaven's perspective and we see what's going on in heaven, we get a different viewpoint and that's what we see by these four beasts. And uh, I don't think there can be any better lesson to come home with than this that these beasts are portrayed to us to help us understand the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me just, we're going to go through a few of these things that I hope will be helpful to you. Um, you always know you're into a difficult text of Scripture to explain when you start reading men who've read and studied the Bible longer than I've been alive. And you can tell it's like, well, this is what we know and this is what we don't know. So here you go, <laughs> right? Uh, we, don't, we don't rely on commentaries, but sometimes men who have loved God and served God and have written about what they've understood from the Word of God, they're counselors who help. And so I was intrigued to read about the four beasts, and, but at the same time encouraged because there were some common denominators, and that is what we're going to point out uh, tonight. And so turn with me, if you would, to Ezekiel. Let's read the account in Ezekiel as we hone in and study these four beasts. While you're turning to Ezekiel, I just want to read one more time. Um, the, the verses that mention them here in just initially in Revelation chapter 4. The Bible says in uh, verse 6, And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. So that's the, that's the mention there in verse 6. And then if we're over in Ezekiel, we're going to read from chapter 1, a number of verses in chapter 1, and then in chapter 10... Uh, about Ezekiel's vision of these four living creatures. Ezekiel chapter 1. I read one commentator and even a couple that suggested that Revelation's account was a bad translation. It irks me when I read that uh, because I believe that the Holy Spirit of God superintended. We do not believe in double inspiration. There's no need, no such thing. But I do believe the Holy Spirit of God superintended and directed the preservation and translation of the Bible we have. Amen? He says in His Word He'll do that. And so we expect that He did, and we have the product of that. And it's a never a good idea to go about correcting the Bible unless you know some man went around and, and botched it up. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, when Revelation says they're beasts, they're beasts. Uh, we don't read Daniel and say those aren't beasts, they're just living creatures. No, they're, they're beasts. And so... And it is to help us understand um, that's what they were. Now in Ezekiel, they're called living creatures. And so uh, they were living creatures that the Bible calls beasts, all right? That's not hard to get. Uh, so here in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of, of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. 
They had the likeness of a man. So it doesn't say they were a man, but they had the likeness of a man. And everyone had four faces. So here in Ezekiel, there's not only four beasts with four different faces, each of these four has four faces. They have four sides, four, four faces. And so uh, each one had four faces. Um, and it says in verse 6, And everyone had four wings, and their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like the color of burnished brass, and they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides. And they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went everyone straight forward, meaning when they wanted to go a direction, they just went it. They didn't. They didn't have to, if I want to go right, i got to turn, not the beast, because they have a face on this side, and they just zoop that way. And they go this way, they go that way. We don't, we're not omnidirectional like that. And, uh, and so anyway, we move forward. Verse uh, 10, as for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and they four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces and their wings were stretched upward, Two wings of every one were joined one to another, and two covered their bodies. And they went, every one straight forward, whither the Spirit was to go. They went, and they turned not when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, and like the appearance of lamps. It went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright. And out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning." These guys move fast, okay? These are angelic beings. Now, Ezekiel chapter 10, if you would. Ezekiel chapter 10. We'll just read verses 20 through 22. I just want to establish what we're reading about in Revelation is the same thing you read about in, in the book of Ezekiel chapter 10 here, verses 20 through 22. How many ever come to the book of Ezekiel and go, here we go. This is a little odd, right? And that's okay. It's just different. Uh, nonetheless, it's the Word of God. Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 20. This is the living creature that I saw under the God of Israel by the river of Kibar, and I knew that they were the cherubims. Everyone had four faces apiece, and everyone had four, wing everyone four wings, and the likeness of the hands of a man was under their wings, and the likeness of their faces was the same faces which I saw by the river of Kibar. Their appearances and themselves, they went everyone Straightforward. So he's just saying, I saw them again, and I knew it was the same ones. And there he refers to them as cherubims. That's why we're going to say that these beasts in Revelation 4 are angels. They're cherubims. They are around the throne of God, sent on special tasks by God. You know, there are those who intrude. The Bible talks about intruding into things about angels that we don't know. I'm always suspect of a religion that likes to focus their teaching on angels. The Bible keeps that to us a bit of a mystery. It just does. Um, by way of humor, a preacher was asked one time, he said, do you think you've ever entertained angels unawares? The Bible talks about that. We'd be mindful of how we treat people. We might entertain angels unawares. He said, well, if I did, I wasn't aware. <laughs> I was surely wasn't aware of it if I did. Uh, the fact of the matter is we may. Uh, angels often appear in the form of a man. We find that in the Old Testament numerous times. We find it in the New Testament. They sometimes appear in a vision like to Joseph uh, when he was about to take Mary to be his wife or thinking not of doing that. So here we find them, though, these angelic beings. It seems to me the description and the vision that God allowed both Ezekiel and John to have is to help us have an understanding 
of how these beings operate, of how powerful they are. You think about this. We call the lion the king of beasts, do we not? We certainly do. So among the beasts of the field, and that's why it's appropriate to call these beasts, among the beasts of the field, the, among carnivores, you're not going to find a more powerful beast than a lion. Among herbivores, you're not going to find a, a more productive beast than a calf or an oxen. It can, it can produce beef for you to eat. It can produce milk for you to drink. It can plow in your field. So you find that the ox or the calf is a servant, is it not? It is going to serve man. You'll find in the, in the, in, in the sky, you're not going to find a more regal and, 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 and an admirable bird probably than the eagle. Uh, this bird is swift. It is, it is swift to the prey. It's majestic. Uh, and then among of all of God's creation, we have man, his crowning creation, who is over all of the rest. And what you have is you have the, the, the greatest, the strongest, the optimum, if you would, of all of God's creation, all wrapped up in one of these beasts. They are like a lion, yet they're like a, a calf. They're like a lion and a calf, yet they're like... An eagle. They're like an eagle, but yet at the same time, they have the intelligence and the ability to communicate with God like a man. So you take all of the best of God's creation, you package it into one of these beasts, and that's what you have. That's why they can move like lightning. They can go up because they have wings. They can go forward. They can go backward. We see that in, in being four of them, they are uh, in the east and in the west and in the north and in the south. They are surrounding the throne. But here's what we do find. They are closer at the throne. They are closer to God than the four and twenty elders. They are closer. These are in the midst of the throne, meaning the four and twenty elders are seated around the throne. Between the four and twenty elders, if I get the picture right, are these four beasts between God and the throne. So you find angels somewhere between God and men. That's what they are. These cherubims are somewhere between God and men. We just we want to establish what honorable, majestic creatures these are that God has created that are higher than men. Remember when Jesus became man, the Bible said he made him a little lower than the angels in God's order. And so this, this uh, vision of these beasts that have wings, men don't have wings, lions don't have wings. They have all these, these attributes of the best of God's creation and they are closer to God uh, than man is we find that uh, in verses 6 and 8 that they're full of eyes. And this gives us the idea that they have a tremendous perception. So I just wrote down a few notes. It, no, it notes here about these beasts, their perception. It notes their proximity to the throne. It notes the portrayal of what we've been talking about, the fact they have wings, they have the four faces, uh, which tells us something about their intelligence, their might, their power, their strength. These are tremendously powerful, tremendously intelligent creatures that are nearer to God than men. And so in that, we, we learn of their vitality. They're not animated creatures. They're not robotic. These are, these are living creatures, as Ezekiel calls them. Their vision is they're able to see more clearly. I mean, just understand, angels... Now, we understand salvation more clearly, okay? The Bible says when the gospel was preached to us, we know things as saved people that the angels desire to look into. I mean, we got the gospel. We got some things the angels didn't have. They weren't told. Uh, nonetheless, when it comes to intelligence, remember when Daniel fasted three weeks, he put aside pleasant food for 21 days, and finally the archangel shows up and he's been having war in heaven saying, I've been fighting for these, these 21 days while you've been fasting. Did Daniel know that? 
No, you see, angelic beings see things that we don't see. They are part of a spiritual world that we're not. By the way, this isn't mystical. This isn't talking. It just amazes me. There are people that don't believe in angels, and they are convinced there's aliens. That blows my mind that you would think there's aliens. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, you think there's alien life? No. I mean, just in short, no. I think there's demon activity in our world, and I do think that. Do I believe there's life on other planets? No. Uh, Brother Josh Roach, Chris and I just talked about this last week. One time years ago, pointed out, said Eve is the mother of all living. And unless her children went and inhabited other planets like some religions teach, then all life is right here on good old planet Earth. Some say, why would God do that? I don't know. He's God. He gets to do whatever he pleases. Amen? Some answers, that's just what we need to say. I don't know, and it doesn't matter. God does as he pleases. But you know what I do know? There are angels. <laughs> There are such things as angels. Now, we have a propensity to think that's weird. You know why we would think it's weird that there's angels? How many of you have ever seen one? Well, if you did, you weren't aware of it, right? Okay. Uh, no, what we don't see, we think probably doesn't exist or we think is weird or something, but God wants us to know there's cherubims around his throne of greater intelligence, of greater vision. They see more than we see. They have more... more they have more intel into the eternal. They're closer to God than we are. They have, they have been around longer than we have. They've been watching this spiritual conflict go on for thousands of years. And this needs to be established because those with great power and great intellect. Remember how the, this chapter ends? Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory. I would say these are glorious creatures. And honor and power, for thou hast created all things, including angels. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. So as we study these four beasts, what you're finding is you find four beasts that have that are they are they are they are the premium of God's creation, and yet here they are around the throne worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll give you another tidbit before we move on. One of the things I love here is as you study the, the faces of these beasts, you'll find they portray the best of all of God's creation. How many of you have noticed the parallel between the four faces and the four gospels? Maybe I've pointed this out already. But in Matthew's gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, some of you Bible students know how Jesus is primarily portrayed in the book of Matthew. If you don't, that's fine. The book of Matthew, he's the king. You study how many times the term kingdom is used in the book of Matthew in contrast to the other three gospels. It is, I didn't count them, I don't have the number for me, but far more times is the kingdom spoken of in the book of Matthew. Matthew's focus on the Lord Jesus Christ is as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the king. There in Matthew chapter 1, remember Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2, who is trying to kill Jesus in Matthew chapter 2? King Herod, because he realizes who has been, been born. Matthew's gospel is the only one that records the account of the wise men coming to worship the Lord Jesus because they had seen his star in the east and the king of the Jews had been born. Jesus is called the king of the Jews in the other gospels, but the emphasis on Jesus's uh, life on earth and his position is that of the king of the kingdom in Matthew's gospel. Mark's gospel is much shorter. It's a much more abbreviated. And in Mark's gospel, the Lord Jesus is seen as the son of man. He is the servant. Remember the face of a calf or an ox? He is the servant in Mark's gospel. You'll see that through and through. Luke's gospel, the physician, presents him 
as man. It really emphasizes the Lord Jesus' humanity. So for instance, it's Luke's gospel, chapter 3, that takes the, the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to who? All right, Bible students, where are we at here tonight? Matthew's gospel takes it back to Abraham the king, and traces it through King David, Matthew chapter uh, 1. Luke's gospel, chapter 3, takes it back through Joseph all the way back to Adam. In Luke, he is man. So you have the lion, the king, the calf, the servant, Mark's gospel. Luke, you have the man. And John, the emphasis is Jesus as the Son of God, come down from heaven, God in the flesh. Isn't it not John 1 that says, in the word was made flesh? What do eagles do? They come from heaven, and you see them swooping down to earth, right? So you have the face of, I love it. Don't you love the Bible? I love the Bible. You have the face of a lion, Gospel of Matthew. You have the face of a calf, the Gospel of Mark. The face of a man, Gospel of Luke. And the face of an eagle in the Gospel according to John. Now you say, what does that have to do with these four beasts? Well, these four beasts reflect the best of God's creation. When God became man, he reflected the same. Here's the thing. These beasts are superior to man. How many, how many times do you find a lion and a calf in the same person? Most people are either a lion or a calf, but they're not a king and a servant. But Jesus is. He's both king of kings and the servant of men. How many going to find God and man in the same person, the eagle and the man at the same time, walking on earth but descending from heaven? But Jesus did. And though these angels did this, what we find is we find those characteristic in these cherubims, but we find the same characteristics in their creator when he became man. Now he's ascended back to heaven, and what are they doing? They're worshiping him. We must get this clear. Jesus not, was not created with the angels, and this, this bunch has it clear. He created the angels, and they are worshiping him. And so we find in these beasts uh, that what they're doing is, is worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ in their greatness. Let me read a couple of texts just that speak of the angels being under and in subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, and then we'll have time, looks like, to wrap this up tonight. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, notice this, and the express image of his person, meaning there's nothing missing of God in Jesus Christ, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand, of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, for under which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire, but unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Let me just mention this briefly before we go to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. 
Uh, all throughout the Lord Jesus' life on earth, you find angels connected to major events in his life and ministry. Angels attended his birth, did they not? Because they worship him. The cherubims worship him. So at his birth, you find the angels there in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, announcing it to Joseph and to Mary, the angel Gabriel speaking to Zacharias about John the Baptist in preparation for Jesus' coming. The angels in the sky singing and making known to the shepherds that Christ had been born. Then you find angels tending and attending to him after his temptation in the wilderness. The Bible says the angels came after he was tempted the devil and they ministered to him. You know why? Because he created the angels are his servants. See, many times we, do, we, just, we get too low of a view of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I believe Revelation chapter 4 is trying to do? Get the Lord Jesus Christ set in our heart and minds where he belongs. He's on a throne with creatures far greater than you and I worshiping him. If these four beasts with the face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an eagle, and the face of a calf with wings and eyes are worshiping him, what do we two-legged creatures only have one face think if we're not worshiping him? So at his, at his temptation, they ministered to him. When he, when he raised from the grave, who attended the tomb? Angels. When he ascended to heaven, two angels said, you men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing up into heaven? The angels have been his servants from the moment. By the way, you want to question whether or not he was God at his birth? The angels worshipped him at his birth. They worshipped him in his life. They worshipped him in his death and resurrection. And they're worshipping him right now in heaven. So for those who want to put the Lord Jesus on par with Lucifer, who want to put him on par with one of God's creation, uh, that, that when, the, when the angels are called the little s, sons of God, that just means they are his creation. God has only one only begotten son. Amen? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're begotten, we're begotten in him. And so then the angels worship him. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22. 1 Peter 3, verse 22. And I'm going, I'm going to take back what I said. I want to take time on verses 8 through 11. So we're going to read 1 Peter 3, 22 and go ahead and wrap it up for tonight. 21 is talking about the figure of baptism. And it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. In the end of verse 21, it's speaking of the Lord Jesus, it says, Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. So Jesus Christ, God in flesh, the God-man, is now seated in heaven. Angels are subject to him. That would include the angel named Lucifer. That would include Satan. He has to do what he's told. He has to. By the way, our victory then over Satan is by absolute confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we have the victory. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. The Bible says the accuser of our brethren was cast down, accused us before God day and night, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and love not their lives unto the death, Revelation 12, 11. So we've seen the portrayal of the throne, the participants around the throne. As we consider these four beasts tonight, we're shown how mighty and powerful they are, and yet, let's conclude in Revelation 4, again, we'll just read the verses, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is and was and is and is to come, uh, says here in verse 8, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night. They never stop, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come, 
And then it goes on to say, when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne and liveth forever, the four and twenty elders fall down, cast their crowns, and so forth. We'll see that next time, the Lord willing. And so we'll cease their eyes. I think it's very interesting that in the eyes of these marvelous beasts, holy means separate, completely distinguished from everyone and everything else. In all their greatness, they thought they were in no way comparable to the one on the throne. And when we, doesn't this help our mentality? This text should help establish the fear of God in our hearts. The fear of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord and God. Amen. And that's who's coming back. <laughs> it is important, number one, that we've been reconciled to him through salvation. But it's also important that we not be ashamed before him at his coming. May I say this? If I'm not conscious of the one sitting on the throne and his soon return, if I'm not living consciously of that, I need to check my faith. Because I really believe Jesus Christ is who the Bible declares him to be, then I know he's coming imminently, meaning at any time. And I need to live ready for that day so that we're not ashamed when we stand before the judgment seat. The one on the throne is the one conducting the judgment seat. I don't know about you. I want to make sure I'm living by faith when I, when I come before that throne. Amen. We'll wrap it up for tonight. Let's go ahead.